You are listening to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Think Brick Australia represents the clay, brick and paver manufacturers of Australia. Brick by Brick, our podcast will discuss technical information and architectural case studies with special guests. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of Think Brick Australia. Today on our podcast, we're going to talk about quite a frightening subject, which is bushfires. And we have one of our experts, our graduate engineer, James Liu, with us to talk about really what we need to know about bushfires and the best ways to design with them in mind. Unfortunately, it seems that in Australia, we can't escape them. Welcome, James. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) James, can you just take us through now, what are the modes of a bushfire attack? Sure. So as we all know, Australia has a very, very dry climate. And with that comes an increased frequency of bushfires. And some of the contributing factors that come with bushfires include, first of all, burning embers and brands. So that's pretty much the sparks that come out of the fire when the bushfire occurs. Mm -hmm. That is one of the modes of attack that comes from bushfires. Secondly is the high level of radiation. So bushfires, they're so large, they also emit a lot of radiation, somewhat up to about 150 kilowatts per meter squared. Wow. Never thought of it like that. Yeah, the numbers are high. Thirdly, there is obviously flame contact, which is when the fire front actually touches the whatever it's touching, right? Mm -hmm. And finally, we have high wind speeds. So bushfires actually generate their own winds when it comes across the bushland. And that can also be very, very dangerous because that also dictates the speed at which the bushfire attacks. And so that that's actually, I never thought of it like that before. So you've not only got high winds anyway, but what you're saying is that when bushfires are burning, they're creating their own bushfire wind as Correct. well. And then I guess on top of all of that, you do have the embers that are being carried in addition to that as well. So James, now that we've gone through the modes of attack, what are the most contributing factors to a bushfire? Sure. So firstly, we have to consider the fuel load. So that is a type of foliage or type of greenery that actually causes the bushfire to spread, such as that might be forests, that might be ferns, it might be a bunch of different sort of greenery. And I think for the 2020 January bushfires, that was one of the biggest factors, the fact that there was so much dry fuel there ready to burn. Correct, Mm. correct. Secondly, coming off from dry fuel is the moisture content of that particular fuel. So if you think about it, if a tree has a lot of moisture in its leaves, it's not going to travel as fast compared to a tree with dry leaves. Yes. And again, droughts didn't help us there either. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Thirdly, there is the wind velocity. So as we know, out in the West, giant winds can become generated. And with that, combined with the high winds that are generated from bushfires themselves, they can spread extremely, extremely fast. And there's pretty much no escape when it comes to these things. Next, we have the topography. Mm -hmm. So that's how the foliage and how the greenery is uh, arranged in that particular area. So So some areas might have extremely dense uh, greenery whereas some areas might have a tree here and a tree there. So if there's, you know, mowing grass, that's probably less of a risk as opposed to deep, you know, knee-high grass or foliage where it can obviously carry that fuel all the way across the plain. Okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. And finally, we have the ambient temperature and humidity. So 
going back to the whole moisture content idea, if an area has a very, very high humidity, such as let's say Cairns, Mm -hmm. that won't spread as fast as somewhere compared to South Australia or Western Australia. Right. I never thought of that actually. And that's a really important point. So humidity is a big factor. That's correct. Right. Okay, so let's now go into the Australian standards, James, and which ones are we looking at here that we're going to discuss? So the main Australian standard that is relevant to constructing in a bushfire-prone area is AS3959, which is construction of buildings in a bushfire-prone area. And this is the main document that we use to dictate the construction requirements for a particular house in said bushfire-prone area. And this is obviously what's the primary reference document in the National Construction Code. How do we determine the bushfire attack level? It's otherwise known as the BAL. That's right. What are the sort of four factors that we use to determine that? Sure. So in order to determine the bushfire attack level, we need to firstly determine the fire danger index or otherwise known as the FDI. And what that is defined as, it is the chance of a fire starting, its rate of spread, its intensity, and its difficulty of suppression. And the FDI value is based on the state or region that the house is being built in. So location here is everything. Location is everything. Mm -hmm. That's right. (laughs) Next, we need to determine the vegetation classification type. Mm -hmm. So that is whether or not it is a forest, a bushland, a rainforest or grassland. That is just a few examples that I can think of off the top of my head. Next, we have the distance of the site from the vegetation area. So that is calculating the distance from the external wall of the house to the edge of where the vegetation starts. And using logic, the further you are away from the vegetation, the less likely of a chance you will have of obtaining a higher bushfire attack level. And just a a question to an aside, is that if you've got the house and you've also got a shed, does the same distance apply for that? I would say that it it would be the distance between the shed and the vegetation. Correct, Mainly because we are designing for conservatism here. Yes, absolutely. Yep. The final factor that we need to consider is the effective slope of the land under the classified vegetation. So that is calculated from the building to the vegetation itself. So when it comes to designing in a bushfire prone area, we need to design the house in a downslope direction. And this is calculated in relation to the building. But we're not talking here about the actual slope of the property between. Is that correct? So if you're on a sloping you know, you've got your house, you shared your pool and it's sloping. We're not concerned about that. What we're concerned about is the slope from where the house ends to the vegetation. That's right. Okay. That's right. And also direction is another major factor. So in AS3959, we would want to have a upslope Right. An an upslope direction when it comes to the distance between your house and your vegetation, mainly because fires travel upwards, they don't travel downwards. So if the fire travels upwards, it's going to be more hazardous or dangerous compared to a fire that's traveling downwards, mainly because as you've seen fires, they move up and not down. Okay. So that's just a little point to consider. 
That's also another point that I haven't considered. James, just before we go through the the BAL ratings, let me just recap the level factors which determine these ratings. The first one is, is the fire danger index. The fire danger index level is just based on purely where you're located within Australia. The next thing we're going to look at is the vegetation classification type, whether that's in forest, woodland, grassland, that's going to affect your BAL rating. The third thing we're going to look at is the distance of the building, which is taken from the external wall to the vegetation that we've already classified previously. And the fourth thing, which has probably been my biggest microphone drop for this session, is the slope of land under the classified vegetation. And this is in relation to the building, not what's happening on the property. And then what you've just rightly pointed out, fires travel upwards. So we're more concerned about a building, for example, that is on the top of a hill with vegetation very nearby because the fire could be travelling upwards as opposed to a building that is at the bottom of this said vegetation because it's more likely that the fire will will fuel itself up the slope. So James, I'm now looking at the BAL ratings. Now they go from low to very high. I don't think we need to go through each individual one, but can you just describe the transition from a low BAL rating to a high one and what does that mean? Sure. So the bushfire attack levels ranges from low to BAL FC, which stands for flame zone, and pretty much the higher the bushfire attack level, the more stringent the construction requirements are required to be. So what is the fastest way to comply when you're building in an FZ zone? In the most dangerous bushfire attack level, which is the FZ zone, building in masonry will give you automatic compliance with the standard AS3959. Wow. So does that mean constructing your external walls with full masonry or masonry veneer will automatically provide compliance with the standard? Absolutely. So James, whether they're full masonry as in double cavity brick or masonry veneer, what's the width you do have to achieve to get this compliance? Yeah, so the minimum width to achieve this compliance is 90 millimetres. And that is already lower than what the standard brick size is, which is 110 millimetres. Ah, so it's, that's the only good news out of this entire podcast. That's right. Just, the, use a simple, just use a simple size brick. So, James, the fastest way to comply with all bush attack level ratings is to design in masonry. Yes, that's correct. I know that I listen to these podcasts when I'm out walking and we have – voluminous quantities of help on this topic, but where can people go and what manuals would you suggest that they refer to? On our ThinkBrick website, we have a range of technical manuals as well as online presentations that can help you design in a bushfire prone area. The first resource that I would suggest you check out is our TBA Manual 10, which is designing in a bushfire prone area. And that'll give you all of the steps when it comes to constructing in a bushfire prone area. We also have an online presentation recorded by me that goes through the construction requirements uh, of how to build your home in a bushfire prone area using AS3959. And I know that in this podcast, what I said can be, be hard to visualize. So that's why we have that online presentation to visually aid you, helping you constructing your home in a bushfire prone area. 
James, this has really been another education for me. I thought that I knew most things about bushfires, but I'm just going to give you a few of my key takeaways. The first thing in terms of the contributing factors, I think what I took out of that, aside from fuel load, moisture content on the fuel, wind velocity, because that all seems like very common sense. But what really struck here for me was the actual humidity. So that's why we don't get that many bushfires north in Queensland, in Cairns, in Australia, and why when we do get them in Sydney, it's normally when there's a dry heat rather than when we're sweltering in that tropical heat. There are four main things you spoke about with regards to how should we determine the bushfire attack levels, and they really centred around the fire danger index. And again, that's something that's just non-negotiable. Wherever you're building, you're going to have a fire danger index. The next thing is the vegetation surrounding where you're going to be, the distance from the site, to this particular vegetation. And the last thing is the effective slope of land. And again, another big learning point for me was fires tend to travel up the slope. So you're better off building down the slope. And then we talked about the different rating levels from low to high and the fastest way to comply, particularly if you're in a fire zone, which is the highest BAA level, is to build in masonry. That's right. James, thank you very much for taking us through this. You have mentioned all of the resources that we have available to our listeners and we're always here to take calls if need be. That's right, Elizabeth. And I'll be the one on the other end of that phone. Thank you, James. And for those listeners that did want some inspiration on what is quite a distressing topic, we do have a documentary of the Turner House, which really focuses on how that house actually survived the Kangaroo Valley bushfires at the beginning of 2020. But thank you, James, for sharing your knowledge today. Thank you, Elizabeth. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.